it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another audio-exclusive WTF1 podcast. Yes, I am hosting a very unusual listen for you all, but I am joined by Cambridge, uh, a new voice, our editorial assistant. Cambridge, welcome. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks, Tom. Well, yeah, um, I'm a Ferrari fan, which pretty much tells you all it really needs to know about me, to be honest. Um, And yes, my real name is Cambridge, just for anyone wondering already. Um, But yeah, happy to be here, ready to get started. Excellent. Yeah, you've had quite the introduction. You've you've done a, a voiceover. You've been on our um, our predictions. Imagine the most questions you've had are pretty much who's Cambridge? Yeah, who's, who's this person? Who's <laughs> whose bridge is trending on on all social media at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's well. It's great to have you uh, on board. So this is going to be a, a quick special episode because we had so many questions after the Monaco Grand Prix, uh, as we always do. It's a race that totally divides opinion. Uh, some people love it, some people hate it. And we had so many questions about the track itself and the suitability of it that we thought we'll record a special podcast. Otherwise, the race one was going to be about four hours long. So I think everyone on this podcast already knows how much I love Monaco. What are your honest thoughts on Monaco, Cambridge? I'm very divided. And I think I think I'm with a lot of people in that sense. It's The Saturday is amazing. It always has been, always will be. It's historic, it's iconic, but you get to Sunday and it's, you know, for the last couple of years, this year has been a kind of an exception, um, mainly thanks to the weather. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it's been pretty, it's been a pretty big snooze fest, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't pretend that it's not the, the rain that caused uh, probably most of the excitement at the start of the race because, you you know, you had quite a lot of overtaking. A lot of it missed by the TV direction, but we'll go into that later. But um, yeah, it was more when the track was wet, wasn't it, that you had a lot of the overtakes. I think it's probably about as good as you can expect from a Monaco Grand Prix these days. Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was difficult. It was difficult to even really... Whenever it rains or there's, there's different weather throughout a race, you know you're going to get a good race. And I don't think Monaco is an exception to that. But yeah, it's just a bit of a diva, isn't it? It's just a bit of a, <laughs> I yeah. want to stick around because it's in the same boat as Silverstone, I think. You know, they were, they're on the calendar similar times. They've got, you know, very similar history in terms of staying around F1 in a very long time. But, you know, Monaco seems to be one that a lot of people have a problem with. Yeah, definitely. And it does seem to be quite a new generation that have come into Formula One and maybe don't quite by the history and that is understandable because i know that i am very um a lot of it is built on nostalgia for me uh the first race I ever watched was the 96 monaco grand prix it was absolutely crazy so there was always that thing in my mind that was like oh this monaco race is crazy and maybe i'm sort of like hanging on to that and the history of it but it's it's one of those races like you say that there are a lot of new fans come into Formula One and they watch the Sunday and they just go like, why is this circuit even on the calendar? Because, I mean, no overtakes last year, I don't believe, other than 
I think there was one. Exit, maybe. I think there was. I think there was one. I think uh, Schumacher passed Mazepin. At oh, the, of course, at, yeah. At the, at the hairpin, but that was it. That was literally all we got. But I think what you said just there is a massive part of it because you know if you're a new Formula One fan, you've just watched Drive to Survive, you know you're buying into all the all the storylines, and then you go, oh, okay, I'll whack on the Monaco Grand Prix, and then that's it. And then you don't see it, and you, you know you get a race like 2021. You're not going to have a lot of people coming back. You know, you're not going to have a lot of people going. Oh, that was that was exciting. That's just like Drive to Survive, isn't it? But it's it's you know it's nothing like it. Especially when Monaco is the hyped race. So <laughs> yeah. I bet a lot of people maybe tune in. I wonder how many people tune in because Monaco is the the hyped race, the classic race. There's you know you see all those videos of Ayrton Senna and it, you know how awesome it looks. And then yeah, you get to the Sunday, and a lot of people would have seen that race, particularly last year, and gone. What's this all about? Um, so first question we've got, I guess this is quite a brutal one straight away, is from James Allen, not the James Allen, <laughs> James <laughs> Allen 1990, who's asked, uh, how would you feel if the contract for the Monaco Grand Prix wasn't renewed? Now, I would be very sad. I don't want it to go. And I am clinging on for dear life. I know it's not the greatest race in the world, um, but I would be gutted. I know a lot of drivers would be gutted as well. I think Charles Leclerc said a race without Monaco is not, sorry, an F1, F1 without Monaco is not F1 to me, which you can kind of understand because that is his home race and uh, maybe he'll win it one day. We'll see if it's on the calendar. For <laughs> don't make me, how, don't make, don't make me cry on the first, on the first podcast. Tom. I know you're, <laughs> you're self, uh, we've got another Leclerc fan. So I'm going to have to make sure that you and Matt aren't on a podcast together. because I'm going to be <laughs> ganged up otherwise. Um, how would you feel if, if say, say they announced it right now, what would be your first feelings? Well, first of all, I don't think they will. I think, you know, we've still got the likes of uh, Stefano running Formula One and he's from an era where Monaco was everything. So you're not going to get rid of Monaco uh, until, you know, you get a new fan in there or, or a, new, a new forward-thinking person in there. I yeah. would absolutely hate it. If it if it if it left, I I agree. I agree totally. Formula One isn't Formula One without Monaco, um, but I think Charles is a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit biased there towards his towards his hometown. Absolutely. I mean, the follow up question to that was from James Arn as well. It said, "How uh, how would you feel about a showcase weekend with drivers doing qualifying laps slash sprint races in current and historic cars?" Uh, and then we've also got a question from on. Wayne Gleek. I know that's probably Dutch, but I, I'm my Dutch is terrible. So, uh, is a is a new race concept needed for Monaco? So, I think this is the thing, isn't it? A lot of people think: do, does it need to change? Do, does Monaco need to be a a novelty race? Uh, so, here we've got, uh, e.g., a dropout system where everyone stays on track and the drivers record lap times, the slowest laps drops out every three minutes i mean all these crazy bernie eccleston ideas i don't know um <laughs> i don't know if that's uh needed um do you think do you think monaco just needs to be monaco and that's it i mean yeah i mean you've just got i think you've got to leave it how it is and i think it should be the cars that adapt instead of the tracks because you know monaco is 3.7 miles long i think the entire principality there's not much room for expansion anyway. And I think people that, you know, go on Google Maps and draw the lines and try and come <laughs> up with new tracks. 
forget it's, buildings exist. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit harder than that. You know, it's a little bit harder than just, you know, saying, oh, this will be cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think the, the, when you start bringing in kind of new race concepts, I think it can then start getting even more, you know, confusing for new fans to come in because um, then you've got to explain what the new concept is just for Monaco. And, you know, it's a cool idea. I agree. But I think Monaco should just needs to stay as Monaco. Yeah. I mean, for me, I've always said it, that it is, it is an unusual race. And my argument is always that I don't want every, like I love Monaco and obviously, you know, me and Matt have some banter about it that he, I don't think he's quite on the Monaco hype as much as I am, but we have some banter about it that, you know, oh, you love Monaco, but I don't want every single rate. I, I don't want 24 Monaco Grand Prix on the calendar. <laughs> um, for me, what I like about Monaco, I mean, I admit, like, you know, I don't even want two Monaco Grand Prix. It's, it is a unique race. It is a lot of the time dull, but I like the fact that, you know, the Saturday is always awesome. So exciting. Uh, it's really tense. And the race, we saw it, even though, yeah, a lot of it was due to the fact that, that we had rain, but the, the tension of the, the strategy and, of course, you know, it was unfortunate that it had to be Charles was the one that got absolutely shafted by it. But I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen that before where it happened to Charles, it happened to Ricardo in 2016, although I know that was the tyres, but still it's a strategy. It happened to Hamilton where he did an extra pit stop and lost it to Rosberg. No other track has that like huge strategy call that can cost you everything. And I think that is such a unique part of the race that I understand people want to see overtakes and a lot of people, it seems that just the, the obsession with overtakes is like, oh, you've got to have 40 overtakes in a race or on board, which I don't personally get. Monaco, one race a year, you know what you're going to expect as well. So, you know, if you don't like it, it's always going to be <laughs> yeah. that way. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. You, it's not, it's, it's always going to be that kind of race. So if you don't want to watch it, it's kind of like the ovals, right? In IndyCar, if you don't like the ovals in IndyCar, don't watch the ovals, yeah. like, watch the street tracks. And Monaco is that like one novelty race and yeah, strat strategy is everything. And I think we saw that play out in the fact that uh, it wasn't a very pop... Well, it, it divided a lot of opinion when I posted a tweet about the fact that Sergio Perez at the end of that race would have lost it on any other track. Science would have breezed past him. Verstappen probably would have. Leclerc would have as well. Any other track, you, you're getting by in DRS easy and the battle is over immediately as soon as his tyres are gone. But... Instead, we got four cars in a row, lap after lap. And yes, it's really hard to overtake. And it was probably very unlikely that science would go for a dive bomb. But where are you going to get that out? And that's what makes it unique for me. So, yeah. Do you know what, Ashley, just to add to that, um, you said like, you know, you've got the four cars going round and round in a circle. And it was, it was really fun to watch because, you know, it, the battles were really close. But if you moved Monaco, because obviously it's really early in the calendar, you know, I think we're seven races in now. But if you moved it further down the calendar towards the end, do you think we would have seen Science send it down the inside or see, you know, Charles try and close the gap? Do you think do you think its positioning in the calendar would maybe force people to try and overtake? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing because I guess 
there's still so much to play for in this early stage that you never know what's going to happen. You know, even the likes of George Russell might might think, you know, even though a lot of people think Mercedes are now out of the title, they might still think, you know, it's worth just getting the points. Whereas if we saw, if Carlos Sainz was completely out of the title and, you know, Leclerc was, uh, say, say even Sergio Perez is beating Leclerc in the title to the title, if that was a, a hypothetical scenario, you know, maybe Sainz does send it down the inside at the hairpin because he has literally got nothing to lose. Uh, and he wants his first win. Cause I, I did think that might even be the case anyway, that his first wins right there. Does he go for broke? And there were moments where he was so close, you know, that hairpin, you send it down that. I mean, yeah, he, went, he, ne- he nearly went into the back of him twice, didn't he? But yeah, but it yeah, takes it's a huge amount of Monaco, doesn't it? To, to pull off a pass, but Again, this comes down to uh, the cars. I mean, you briefly mentioned about the circuit changes. We've had a question from Levicious X. Hypothetically, if they were to remove the Nouveau Chicane, would there be more chances for overtakes, especially if they added a second DRS zone there? Again, there's so many people get out Google Maps after Monaco and try and change it. Can you do that much, really? I don't know. I mean, Nico Nico Rosberg said something really interesting in the fact that, you know, even if you did that whole, so, you know, you came through the tunnel and then you made that a a straight, so you even made that, you know, got rid of the Nouvelle Chicane all the way down towards the swimming pool and you made that DRS zone. You're getting so much speed there that then there would be a safety issue because then you're going into a very fast left-hander. So then you know, FIA are more inclined to say, well, we can't do that because otherwise, you know, they're almost going 240 kilometers an hour down there into a hairpin side by side. And, you know, yeah. when you've got, you know, if, if Lewis and Max are going in there, you know, only one of them's coming out on that. Yeah, so- exactly. And Tabak's not exactly like a corner that is going to, it's not a heavy braking zone. Like you say, it's a fast left-hander. So you, you're probably looking at having to go for a DRS pass, which is quite tight and brave anyway, rather yeah. than I mean, we saw we saw actually in the fact that in the in the wet that a lot of people got quite good traction out of the chicane anyway, and that's where people could could make the move. But I mean the only thing I can think is if they maybe opened up the final corner a little bit. Um so it wasn't quite so twisty tight uh, at the end and it was maybe a bit more of a a quick right-hander that they could follow closely, but they never get the traction coming out that final corner no. to m- make a move into turn one, which I still think is probably the best, the best bet. But it's I mean, a difficult one. There's so, mean, so little t- they can do to it. You might as well get rid of that that first DRS zone. To be honest, you might as well get rid of DRS altogether around Monaco because it's completely useless. Yeah, like you say, because you get no traction coming out of that out of that final corner. So. You know, I think we saw Lewis go for a move there on Ocon, but because it's so easy to shut the door and and not let him in, but obviously Ocon got a penalty, which I don't agree with. But um, but yeah, like you said, it's pretty pointless. Yeah, because you can just. Shut. I mean, I saw that there was a a bit of missing footage that they showed of Ocon, and I I still can't work out if which penalty they gave Ocon for because the one I did see did look like a penalty because he pretty much shoved him in the wall oh okay <laughs> but that was that was not that was a classic uh, case of tv direction where they didn't uh they didn't show that 
uh, but again, I mean, this all adds to Monaco's confusion for for fans and stuff because on a track with so little uh, passing and action a lot of the time, how they can still miss. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The stuff is beyond me. The question we ask then is, is, uh, is Formula One still suitable for modern F1? You kind of alluded this to this earlier, but we had some interesting responses that, uh, I mean, someone said, uh, this is Gabe in reality said, it's not current cars. It's the least competitive and interesting circuit on the calendar. I get the history, but it's a showcase of the car and not a legitimate race. So I guess that's the side of it's terrible. I don't like it. But we had uh, a question, uh, sorry, a reply from Jack MU 69788208. Um, I turn the question upside down. Are modern F1 cars suited for racing tracks? Should they need eight-lane highways to pass? Smaller, cl- smaller cars, please. The problem is not only Monaco, but people just see in Monaco because it's more highlighted. And this is a great response, I think, because Monaco is the extreme of the situation we have with the modern cars. And don't get me wrong. Yes, there is a lot more overtaking at Imola and Canada, but... There's a lot of classic tracks now that there are loads of complaints about Zandvoort, for example, that it's not suitable for modern F1. And how many of these tracks that produce great racing in other series not suitable for Formula One? And Monaco is the extreme example, but it would be a shame if you know the cars keep getting bigger and bigger and Monaco goes because it's not suitable, but then where do we draw the line? Because... You know, Imla wouldn't be suitable. Zandvoort, not suitable. I've said this before. Canada, when I was growing up, used to always be the most exciting race. I cannot remember the last time we had a good Canadian Grand Prix, like really, really good Canadian Grand Prix. Um, and that that was always the one I looked forward to most because it was crazy and exciting. Um, and these cars are just outgrowing these circuits. And I don't want it to be... I don't want uh, the, the cars to stay the same... And it just be like, okay, get rid of all these classic tracks and just race on modern circuits that are designed for the new cars rather than that. How do you, how do you see that? No, I agree. I agree. I, I think, you know, if you actually get, I did this for the first time the other day. If you get out a measuring tape and look up the dimensions of a Formula One car, it is ginormous. How they even fit in Monaco is beyond me. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think we need to, because part of Formula One is the history. You know, since 1950, the sport really hasn't changed that much in terms of the running of it. Yeah, we've had, you know, the, the differences in the cars are, are extreme. But I think we do need smaller cars. Because, you know, you, you had smaller cars when the legends were racing, and that truly was wheel to wheel the entire time. You know, obviously you had the occasion where, you know, the reliability was an issue back then. So sometimes you had winners by two and a half minutes. But, you know, with today's technology, you could definitely make the cars smaller. Like I get like the length, it makes them quicker and produces more downforce. But 
I think we need to we need to discuss a trade off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, I think a perfect example is very bizarrely Formula E. They race at Monaco, and I watched that race recently, and it was brilliant. It was brilliant the year before, and they get into Monaco, and that is their, you know, that's their back. That is the 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 race where it's wide for them. You know, compared to the other tracks that they race on, Monaco is. Like all the other races are Monaco compared to Monaco. Like Monaco is the one that they love because they can race on it. There's loads of overtaking. They can pass because the cars are smaller and not quite so quick. Uh, you know, the braking zones are heavier. So it's really fascinating that Monaco for Formula E is their standout track that's really exciting, whereas it is the polar opposite in Formula One that Formula One fans just dismiss Monaco and go, you know, this belongs in the 50s because it's terrible. So I hope it sticks around because I love it. But I do, stuff like Formula E gives me hope that that race can be good again. Um, it just, we just need smaller cars again because the cars have got crazy big and silly anyway. And all the drivers always complain about them anyway. Uh, and I think in 2026 is when they're looking at making them smaller. So, People might just have to endure Monaco for another <laughs> yeah, yeah. four years. Well, if they get if they get renewed, that is. But I, I hope I, I I seriously do think they will. I don't I don't see how they how they take it off the calendar and not get all sorts of backlash from the drivers and the teams because you know as much as as much as we hate it, it's not it's not for us really. It you know Monaco is the driver's dream. Uh, on Saturday, they can go to the absolute limit with their car. Unless they put it in the wall, but um, but we won't <laughs> we won't we won't talk about that. Yeah, I mean that that is the thing. Like that race offers something completely different because the Monaco weekend is different. That the Saturday is such a huge event, um, and it's quite not it's quite not as comparable. But you know, like say you're watching like a World Cup, like a tournament the final is not always the most exciting football yeah. match, is it? Like you have great games at the start. So, you know, the whole Grand Prix weekend is exciting and, you know, practice even you're going to get people pushing the limits and the drama of them crashing into the wall and stuff uh, and on the edge. And I don't think they utilize onboards enough personally, um, but that leads us on nicely to the TV broadcast because the TV broadcast in Monaco Last year, it became a meme because of the Lance Stroll replay, which was pretty much the only interesting part of the race that they cut to a replay on. Uh, and we've got uh, NNO Head D. <laughs> I'm with Tommy on this one. Monaco stays, but please God fix the abysmal, even for F1 standards, TV broadcast. Now, the TV broadcast is done differently in Monaco, like a lot of things. It's different. I just like to be different. Like you say, a bit of a, bit of a diva. diva. Yeah, the the TV broadcast struggled again. Um, there have been, uh, I've seen so many incidents. I've seen, uh, I've seen George Russell passing Norris. I've seen Vettel make three overtakes. I've seen uh, Hamilton, sorry, Ocon put Hamilton into the wall. Uh, so many things. That I'm like, how have you missed this? Because there's not that much going on. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I, I don't, don't get I, what it is. I don't get how they can miss it. Honestly, like I said before, it's three point seven. You can probably use binoculars and see most of what's going on. But yeah. I, I think it just shows that 
the people that are doing Monaco or filming Monaco don't really understand racing or yeah. don't don't at least anticipate where things are going to happen you know and it's i think it's fairly simple to even you know if you if you see i don't know if you've been in one of the production trucks for a for a formula 1 race but they've pretty much got every single on board of every single so you can pretty much see what's going on all the time so yeah. it's not it's not difficult to communicate Okay, uh, Hamilton, uh, George Russell is passing Lando Norris as we speak. So can we get that? Okay, thank you. But that, yeah. you know, it's not. It's really not difficult. And if 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 I can figure that out, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they can. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing I've always said when we've had our discussions about TV broadcast. Not even the Monaco ones. I mean, Monaco ones even worse. But even you know the standard TV we saw in Miami, they missed loads of stuff as well. And I think it is just having that Formula One brain that knows. Lando Norris is half a second behind George Russell and they're about to get into a DRS zone. Switch to them. That's the move coming up. We don't need to see Alex Albon's pit stop or whatever because, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world if we miss that. And that's what I think they're missing. And Monaco is a really extreme example of that where it manages to be even worse and they just do really bizarre cutaways and, and stuff. And again, I just don't think they use onboards enough because that is... That's what makes Monaco spectacular. Is is the onboards? You know, let's when science is almost driving into the back of Perez. Like, imagine how cool it would look from like the nose yeah. cam or whatever, and how tense it would be. So, they can make that broadcast so much better. That's for sure. One final thing I've got on here is obviously we're going to do a video on this, but um, it's not just the track uh, that has issues. Obviously, they paid less in the Bernie era. Uh, one of the things that's controversial uh, this year is the fact that Formula One allows Monaco to uh, have their own sponsor essentially for for the race. And Monaco decided they would give it to a rival watch sponsor of Formula One, uh, which I imagine you, you mentioned earlier about, I don't think F1 can get rid of it. I think all these things personally add up uh, and... Formula One, uh, sorry, Monaco, like you say, is a is a diva that's maybe like pushing their luck a little bit sometimes. Um, and I do wonder with these new owners how much more they can take of this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I think I think they're just going to have to sit them down and say, look, if you want to remain a part of Formula One, you've got to do it our way now. You know, Bernie's Bernie's gone. He's in Brazil, I think, by the looks of it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's for that's for another podcast. That's for another yeah. time. Um, but um, but yeah, I think they just need to step up and be be adamant. You know, this is the way we want to do things. And if hopefully, you know, Monaco can you know get over themselves a little bit and stay a part of Formula One because I think it's it won't be the same without them. Excellent. Well, I think that's a nice little. Final thought to round things up because, uh, yeah, let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, I know there'll be a lot of people shouting at this podcast going, no, it's boring or no, it has to stay. We always get so many comments about Monaco and people have such strong opinions on it. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can tweet us uh, on hashtag WTF1 podcast. Make sure you give us a rating as well 
on Apple Podcast, or you can do it on Spotify as well now. And yeah, we're putting out a lot more podcasts at the moment. I'm sure you'll be hearing more from Cambridge as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.